Welcome back to Public Health Plus, the show after the show. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Remember to listen to the main episode last Thursday about ERPO and gun violence, Extreme Risk Protection Order, a tool that uh, essentially helps prevent tragedy by giving uh, concerned parents or therapists or uh, healthcare staff a tool to... <laughs> What's... Wow, that was bad. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> Let me give this a try. Go for it. <laughs> Last week on Thursday, we had Dr. Shannon Frateroli on the show and we talked about extreme risk protection order laws and how they can be a tool for law enforcement, family members, and in some states, healthcare providers to temporarily separate someone from their firearms during a time of crisis to reduce mass shootings, suicide, other kinds of violence to make sure that we can all be safer. Yeah, it's a risk-based policy. Instead of looking at you know mental health issues, we're looking at the person's express risk of committing violence, which is much more accurate. So uh, the reason why we did this episode, this was actually, it's on our docket, but it was further down, but we decided to bump it up because of an event that happened on November 30th, 2021. You may remember it. I hope you remember it. It was only a few months ago. It was the Oxford High School shooting incident, school shooting incident in Detroit, Michigan. I am not an expert on this. I read the news like everyone else, but I'm I'm by no means someone who's like super involved in this case. But just to recap, so essentially a sophomore from the high school took out a handgun and started firing into the crowd first and then methodically walking from classroom to classroom and essentially four students were killed. So what's your take on the event? There were a lot of things wrong with this event. Oh, yeah. A lot of things that just as a parent of a teenager were something that bothered me as a gun policy researcher that bothered me and as a sort of public health prevention person. Do you remember your first reaction when you heard it? Holy it happened again. The Onion article strikes. No, seriously. I mean, you know, we, one of the, I don't want to say positives, but one of the unintended potential benefits of COVID was that students weren't in school for the most part for a long time. And we weren't experiencing the same level of school shootings that we were in the before times. Because there was no school. Right. And, you know, some students went back in the end of the 2020-2021 school year, right? Last academic year. For the most part, everybody's back now. And we're starting to see more of these incidents occurring as students are in school more. And when this happened, it was upsetting enough just to know that another school shooting had happened. But when the details started to emerge, it I was pissed, to be totally honest. <laughs> I was like, right. what idiot uh-huh. thought that this was a good idea right. to give this teenager who was clearly demonstrating behaviors, you know, engaged in behaviors that indicated that there was something going on. He needed help. Hey, let's give this kid a gun. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. There was a lot of very disturbing details. <laughs> it makes me it, so it, mad. Uh, yeah. I was furious as, as well. There was a lot of disturbing details, which uh, we're not going to go into. Like You could just look up on the news. But what I do want to focus on is how this ties into potentially ties into ERPO. So this was another case of leakage. Like there was several signs along the way that he was, you know, behaving in a very risky way. And actually, before we go there, I want to highlight what makes this event different. There were legal actions against the parents of the perpetrator, which I believe, according to New York Times, I believe is the first time that has happened in a school shooting case, uh, unless you know otherwise. No, I think that's right. So there are a few challenges when it comes to holding other people accountable when something happens. So 
I'm trying to like not get too too far into the weeds, but the sort of the, the simple version is some states say parents and other gun owners have to ensure that kids can't gain access to guns if they're under a certain age. So if you think about like the Santa Fe school shooting that happened before COVID, that teenager was old enough that a child access prevention law didn't apply to him. Right. It was for kids under 16 and he was 16. So he got his dad's shotgun and took it to school. And so there was very little that could be done in that case. And often when kids gain access to guns, whether it's a school shooting or otherwise, and they harm themselves or others, too often the perspective is, oh, well, they lost a child, Mm. right? Thinking about an unintentional shooting where the child harms themselves. Right. So we don't want to prosecute them also. Right. Makes right? sense. So it's very rare for parents to be held accountable, which I think sends the wrong message, right? If you don't, yeah. if there's no accountability, then people unfortunately tend to not always behave responsibly. But in this particular instance, it wasn't so much a child access prevention piece, right? Because Michigan doesn't have one of these laws. So that's irrelevant. But there are other policies that are relevant, which is kids under the age of 18 are not allowed to possess a handgun. So they can't legally buy one from a licensed dealer until they're 21, but there are different state laws, you know, yada, yada. The the important thing is this kid was under the age of 18. He was not allowed to possess a handgun. And all of the news stories are indicating that this handgun was bought with the purpose of the kid having it. Right. There were pictures posted about, you know, oh, this was his Christmas present and, you know, this, that and the other. He had access to it and he was known to be shopping for ammunition for the gun. And so the access piece, right, the parents behaved irresponsibly. And that's one of the reasons where legal actions are being taken against them, because they bought this gun with the purpose of giving it to their kid, which is unlawful, right? When you buy a gun, you have to fill out a form that says, I'm buying it for For myself. myself, I'm not giving it to somebody else. So they violated the law doing that and then violated the law giving him access to it, at least, you know, based on what we know so far. But then there's the other issue, which I think is really where the ERPO piece comes into play, where this is a kid who was clearly demonstrating that he needed help, that there was something wrong. The school had recognized this as an issue. The teachers had called in the parents because of the drawings that he was doing and all these things. Yeah, yeah. And they just didn't take it seriously. You know, they didn't do anything as a result. They didn't take away access to the firearm, at least again, you know, there's maybe some contradictory things coming out now where the parents are saying, oh, no. Of course, they backpedal at this point, right? Right. But so so there are so many things. (laughs) There were so many, you know, we've talked before about systems, right? And like the Swiss cheese model, the goal being to have multiple layers of protection in place. That way, no layers are perfect. If one thing goes wrong, the whole system doesn't explode. This is a perfect example of there being multiple opportunities for intervention and the right thing not happening, or I guess the wrong thing happening at each point so that we end up in this situation. And it it's infuriating. It is. There's no reason that this should have happened. No reason at all. And then again, we're not going to go into the details. The details are very public now in several major news sources. But I guess the question I want to throw to you is, how would the ERPO apply here hypothetically and could have have prevented something if it did. So we've actually seen ERPO used um, in Washington state when- Your hometown, yes. Yeah, my home state, yeah. There was a teen who had leakage, was talking about harming others, talking about a whole range of activities. Again, we don't need to get into the details, but they were concerning enough that people wanted to pursue an ERPO process. So this is a teen who cannot legally buy guns on 
their own, but the parents owned guns. And they actually tried to use a NERPO process, I believe it was successful, to remove firearms from the home because the risk was so imminent. It was such a high level of risk that they went through this process. So in this instance, right, the teen in Oxford and couldn't lawfully buy guns on their own, but clearly had access clearly was demonstrating or discussing that they were going to you know, engage in some risky behaviors, like this could have been an instance where an ERPO might have been able to be used to remove a firearm from the home. And I don't think Michigan has an ERPO. Do they? I'm 99% sure they don't have an ERPO. I was just looking at this. Hang on. There's 19 states for our episode on Thursday. There's 19 states plus DC that have it as of last year. Correct. Michigan does not have an ERPO, so... So it couldn't have applied just for the fact that they don't have it. Right. But I think something that we talked about in Thursday's episode that is becoming increasingly relevant is that when there is leakage, law enforcement is taking that much more seriously. So even in the absence of an ERPO policy, people were trying to take steps to minimize harms. And sure, the, they couldn't have said, we're going to you know, use this ERPO policy, but somebody, you know, there might have been something else that could have been done given the clear elevated risk. Yeah. I mean, this was just such a timely incident that we decided that to move this topic up the docket, which I think is appropriate. And and I guess my thing is, I'm not you know a gun violence expert like you are, but my the message that I want to send out, which is the myth that no one saw it coming, it's, it's a myth. Several times these things happened, several people saw it coming, and we should really just retire the idea that prevention is not possible. Prevention is possible. And in a lot of cases, I, I would say most of the cases, there were clear signs that something was about to happen. And that's, I guess that's my piece that I want to throw out there. Absolutely. And it's not just... We're talking about Oxford, which in this case is a school shooting. And I gave an example um, in Vermont in the prior episode, and we talked about, you know, the Parkland shooting in prior episodes where there was leakage that, you know, folks felt like they didn't have any tools to use to react to that. Um, But this is a broader issue. It's not just about school shootings. It's not even just about mass shootings. There are times where people are expressing thoughts, feelings, you know, talking about actions where they might harm themselves or others. And we really need to take any of those incidents seriously um, as a potential loss of life. Or we need to be much more serious when people are saying they're feeling a particular way. And COVID has exposed a lot of issues yes, societally and structurally and all these pieces. But one thing that I think has potentially been an unintended benefit is the expansion of things like telehealth and Mm -hmm. talking about mental health even and people being much more open to talk about those things. Like Michael Phelps has, has all these commercials about therapy and, you know, you can do it over text message now and there's more access. And I just feel like as a society, we all need to do a better job of taking these things seriously. Right. Yeah. And one other data point that I want to mention, when the information is available, around 75% of students who commit a school shooting get their gun from their home or the home of a family member. And so as we talked about previously, it's not just one thing that's going to yeah, reduce several things. gun violence or gun-related deaths. Responsible gun ownership, safe gun storage, you know, making sure your guns are locked up when not in use and not accessible to anyone who's not sort of authorized to use them is so important. It's so important. These are yeah. exceptionally lethal products, right? Guns are designed to kill things. 
And there is a responsibility that comes along with the rights of gun ownership. And sorry, I'm getting really upset right now. No, this is the bonus. Let's go. It it just it reflects very poorly on us as a nation when we put people's rights above those responsibilities and we continually see people being harmed as a result. Yeah. You know that cliche Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibilities. And that definitely applies to firearms. If you're going to be a firearm owner, then there are just things that you need to do to make sure that no tragedies happen. So we hope this legal case, uh, whether how it ends up, uh, we don't know, but we hope that it at least sets an example to show people that as a firearm owner who is also a parent, there are just certain responsibilities that you need to do. But just lastly, this is just something I came across that I thought was interesting. So this is the quote unquote other side of the coin, which is I forgot which podcast this is, but it was a story about a teen on the autism spectrum disorder and his parents' unending battle with the school who thinks that he's going to commit. So it's basically like when someone thinks you're crazy, you cannot convince them that you're not crazy. And this kid who is, you know, he's on the spectrum, but he's, you know, more or less like fine. But his parents constantly get these calls about, hey, like, you know, your son is like playing with scissors. The dad is like, well, is he waving it at anyone? Is he, you know, and he's like, no, he's just holding. Well, it's like he just likes scissors. Like, what, what do you want me to? Or maybe he's using them to cut a piece of paper, right? right? Like, this is also ties back to Thursday's episode, which is like just because someone has a mental health or developmental issue does not mean they are dangerous. Yeah. The vast majority of people who have a mental health condition will never harm anyone. They're far more likely to be the victim of a crime or to harm themselves. Right. It's so important to focus on risk. What are the actual things people are doing? What are they saying? How are they behaving? What are they talking about? What are the risk-based measures that we can focus on rather than putting somebody in a box just because they have a mental health X issue. Disease, it's not right. right. It's not an effective or fair yeah. <laughs> conversation. Yeah. But it was, again, I, I'm sorry. I can't remember the episode's name or title, but it was basically how this dad is just so tired of, you know, yes, he's awkward. Yes. He says things that he shouldn't say things. Yes. He's like, you know, his personality is a little abrasive at times, but y'all got to stop. <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> All joking aside, like you legit just described me. <laughs> Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I'm a bit abrasive. (laughs) Again, it ties into Erpo in in the way that you described. And also, it's just, it's frustrating. Like when people think you're crazy, you cannot convince them otherwise. And I think that's something that's maybe issue that we'll discuss on, on a future episode. But anyway... Thank you for listening to Public Health Plus, the show after the show. You can expect these more spicy and opinionated episodes every Monday. If you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help us immensely and spread the word about the show. Join us every Thursday for our main episodes. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.